Well, good evening, Steve. Good evening, Adam. We are back for another episode of Through the Lens of Christ. And uh, this is an opportunity for myself, Adam Baker, and Steve Douster to be able to come together and just have some uh, open, honest, I would say always unrehearsed. I don't know that we've ever really rehearsed. But we're, we're pretty much unrehearsed. Just some uh, conversation about uh, current events, topics, things that are um, um, near and dear to us and things that we think should be discussed um, by other believers and, and wrestled through. So our purpose and goal here is um, not necessarily to provide answers, although our goal is to search scripture for answers and um, give our thoughts and perspective but really to incite conversation and be able to uh, um, just bring healthy dialogue among believers. So that's our goal. Tonight is part two of, um, of what we talked about last time, which is church membership. So we ended the, the idea of church membership by saying that the church membership allows us to be uh, a light. Church membership allows us to be a beacon to the community at large and specifically that light reflecting Christ that we are to be a a healthy bodily representation of who Christ is. And so that's church membership in, in, a, in a nutshell. So then we have the critical component of church discipline. So where, where do we go when things aren't working as planned? Where do we go when someone who has confessed that they agree with the statement of faith, somebody who has confessed that they're a believer in Christ, somebody who has confessed that they desire to live in community with other believers to, to be instructed and encouraged and everything that comes along with it and then in some way steps out of bounds of that what is our responsibility what should we do as a as a as a full body of believers and so that's really what we want to talk about tonight um i will tell you that my history in church discipline as i shared with the the church membership conversation um church discipline i have never seen done well so I've seen it. I've, um, one story that I have when uh, Jenny and I were in Minnesota looking for a church and we stopped at a, a the church was probably 130 people there that morning. And uh, the, the pastor stood up front and it was a, a woman pastor and she read a she they had a couple of songs. She came up. It was kind of a time for welcome and announcements. And she said, you know, I just want to read a letter. And she started talking about this letter to this this guy who was a member at the church and about how he stopped returning their phone calls and how the he basically the whole process of this was that he got a restraining order against the church and the church was um, encouraging everybody to contact him and reach out to him and um, but not in a like loving restorative kind of way but in like a we need to bludgeon this guy and make sure he knows that he has wronged the church and he has personally offended us. And it was like, we left there. We were like, well, I know where we're not going back next week. <laughs> so, and I, I've had other instances of those things where you see this, um, people need to get in line with what I believe as the pastor. And therefore you have to be living this way. And if you're not, we're coming for you. And so but those are kind of my, background in discipline and we'll talk about what healthy discipline looks like but steve what are your thoughts well first my first thought is that's an awful story i mean how how, how would a nasty terrible thing to have happened to someone and to have it done to you by the church is, is awful and i'm sure there are a lot of people that are harmed by poor church discipline or by no church discipline just things done in a just terrible way poly wise or with different personalities in the church um my first thought goes back to a little after conversation we were having after our last podcast, which we were talking a little bit about the keys to the kingdom. 
So I think I want to tie into that just for a second and then, and then talk a little further. So, so the keys to the kingdom aspect of the church being, you know, the Roman Catholic Church believing that they have the ability to open and shut heaven, essentially. Uh, let you in and out of heaven, having the church um, yield or wield these keys. I, I think we think of that in the evangelical church in a much different way than the Roman Catholic Church, but still we have this responsibility as the church to be able to identify those who are true Christians, believers, not knowing their heart, but to the best of our ability, based on scripture and our, in our own conscience, and in who are not. So I think that is a prime, a prime responsibility of the church, and, and something we're to guard. Uh, we're, to, we're to guard that so that we don't get to some sort of universalism or some exclusionism, and, and that we're actually, you know, towing the line to scripture in that. And so I think that's that's a really important thing we have to realize. We do hold the keys, I believe, um, but we don't hold the keys as tightly as the Roman Catholic Church or other churches, not to pick on them. We hold them loosely, understanding that, you know, we, we are not infallible, we're not omniscient, and that's one of the reasons, I think, in our church polity, we have a group of elders that can help with that, so that not one person is making those kind of decisions and, and those kind of determinations. But, but the other thing I think of when we think of church discipline is, is you mentioned a dramatic case where someone you know, is gonna get removed from the church, for example, or, or, or put out or treated as an unbeliever, as scripture would, you know, would say. But we do church discipline in a way all the time. We're always, as a church, and we should be, discipling. And we should be, and the root word of that seems to be the same to me, so, so we should be discipling. We should be looking at, looking at each other as being members of, members of the church, right, as we talk to, you know, or, or, or covenanted together in the church. And we're all having the same goal in mind, having the same picture of Christ in front of us. We're heading in the same direction. And we should be able to be in fellowship with one another in such a way that we can see um, where we have strengths and weaknesses, where we have failures and sin, and where we're, we're actually honoring Christ in different ways with our lives. And so that is also, I believe, a method of, that is a church discipline, that we're, we're using the disciplines of Scripture, the, you know, the godly disciplines, and we're being disciplined and discipled so that we're more like Christ. And the most dramatic example, I think, is that of, of a church actually removing someone from membership because of, of this unrepentant sin. Um, so I think that's, that's a thing. Yeah, and, it, and not that we'll go into it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about that issue, right, where you've got this severe issue happening. The church isn't doing anything about it. Um, Paul is upset because they're allowing this to happen, where he's like, if you've got somebody who's unrepentant in the body, saying that they're a believer in Christ, yet living exactly the opposite of that, just get rid of them. And so I think that there's, it's not that those things don't exist, it's how and why we do it that I think is most important, which to step back, the, the why we do it. I think that begins with this, I, we talked again, so not to rehash too much, but the idea of membership, that, that the church, and, and it gets in, even when Steve and I have some back and forths on email, we have to often define what we mean by church, right? Because you, you talk about church being community church, but there's a lot of people at every local church who are not necessarily part of the church, which are the believing members. And so when we're talking about membership, we're talking about the believers, we're talking about the church, we're saying that the church is the bride of Christ and that, that the church is filled with flawed, fallible people, centered on our own selfish desires, 
um, lack of a better word, filthy, right? Dressed in filthy rags. And what we see, the image we see in Revelation, I can't remember the, the uh, place right now, maybe nine, I don't remember. Um, but where you see this vision in heaven where, or 17 maybe, doesn't matter. The point is, is that they, they get, you see the church being um, brought into the wedding feast with Christ. And, and you see the, the imagery that we're told is that the, the church, the bride, is dressed in pure white linen robes. Like they've been cleaned up. And it says that they've done that because of the good works they've done. But the idea is not that they have done good works and made themselves clean. The idea is that the groom, Christ, through the church, has done these amazing things and that through his work, through the work of sanctification and salvation, that he has given them these white robes to wear. And so our image of the church needs to be that this is the bride. We've been given white robes by our groom. We should be doing everything we can to protect that image, that we are both the bride of Christ and we're also the visible representation to this fallen world of Christ. And so we should hold that at such a high standard that if we see someone who is either supposed to be dressed in pure white clothes and look like they've been dragged through the mud pit, or if we see somebody who is supposed to be the physical representation of the, the body of Christ, and they look like a deformed mess that has no business representing Christ, we shouldn't be just, they're out of line, and therefore our hearts should break for that. We should be broken with just a, a grief and sadness. And I think the point of discipline, the word discipline implies I'm an angry parent and now I'm going to beat my kids. The point of discipline, as you said, is about discipling and saying, I love you too much and I love my Jesus too much and I love my God too much and I love this church family too much to let this go. And I think we have a, a different image, but there's actually a beautiful purpose in discipline. Well, that's just, that's a really good point because I think one of the one of the marks of our age is is anger and frustration and and jealousy and concern over things and sometimes it's you know there's a right root to it but we don't handle it in the right way we look at someone that's not like us or we do, we think they're doing things the way we wouldn't do them and we start judging on them and and really God's God's grace is much deeper than that it really is an indictment on ourselves that we don't that we don't God gives us grace not so that we'll that grace will rest on us. It, he gives us grace so that grace moves through us to other people. That's the purpose of grace. And, and to not be gracious to folks that aren't like us, dressing like the way we think they should dress or talking like we think they should talk. Those are, those are all real problems. And it starts with us. It starts with our own heart. That's, that's a, that's a big challenge. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think oftentimes we're angry and we don't, we don't act graciously toward others in, in thinking of church discipline. It's a big problem. Yeah. And I think going to, so, so talking about the, the why and that it is important that it be done and knowing that it's often done, um, and too big of a generalization, I'm sure, but I think it's more often done poorly than done well. And to, I think, a point that we were having earlier, it's even more often not done at all, which is just as poor as doing it poorly. And so this idea of church discipline must be accomplished. So how, how should it be accomplished? I think there we go into Matthew 18. We see this, this image of what happens when somebody is, is living outside the, either the, the biblical statement of faith of a church. Again, I don't just want to say adherence to a statement of faith makes you a believer, right? The, the statement of faith should be addressing the, the means of salvation, 
The fact is, is that now you're living outside of a biblical representation of what you should be in some way. The first step is that somebody actually talks to them about it, right? That we actually have some form of conversation. You talked earlier about discipleship. That's exactly what discipleship looks like. It's not this formal, okay, Steve, I've got your paperwork written up and you're getting three demerits for this because I saw you do something and it's a conversation, right? Yeah, it is a conversation. So the premise is that we're all, we're, we're members together or we're covenanted together to work toward the same end. So, so if I just back up a little bit and kind of move forward. So, so in theological terms, that means that everyone has been justified, which is your white robe scenario, right? So all of us are going to end up with Christ in heaven, but we're not all fully sanctified. And, and part of Christ's plan for us on earth is to sanctify one another with that heaven in view, with the white robe, with Christ in him in view, and you know, ultimately being you know, perfected, being per- perfectly holy so that we can live with Christ and God and his kingdom forever. But, but we're not. And so therefore we have to deal with that. And I think the way that one of the challenges I think we have these days is some really, really big churches, you know, can, can make some decisions about church discipline that are not, not very personal. They're purely impersonal. And, and what this really takes is a, is a personal effort and a personal relationship to really understand what's going on and what's in someone's heart so that we can understand if they're really repentant or not. All of this should be leading us towards some common goals and some common living and some common fruit as we're, as we're working together in Christ. And when it doesn't, that lack of conformity calls for a conversation, as you mentioned. And, and that conversation may lead to a conversation with someone else. Well, what is, what is the example that Christ has set for us? What is the picture we're supposed to be completing here? And if there's, if there's still disagreement on what that is, it keeps getting elevated to, you know, not just one person, but to two or more people, to the elders, to the church, to, to where we just can't reach conformity, something has to be done. And the church has to kind of wield those keys I was talking about earlier and decide, you know, this is a, this is a serious enough matter and this is out of conformity to what a Christian would be. And, and you're not repentant and, and we feel that you should be. Therefore, we need to take this action so that you might be repentant. It's not so that you're going to be excluded from the church forever. You can't darken the door, but it, it, it puts the person in a position of, you are no longer in full fellowship with your commitment, with your covenant, with the membership. Um, you're outside of that, and you're welcome to be full, full, fully present with us again. But to do so, you'll have to take these steps, one of them, I'm sure, being repentance. Yes, and I think you bring up the idea of repentance, right? That's all the discipline we see in Scripture from God, especially you go back into the Old Testament where you see it worked out so, so visibly and with the amazing imagery and action. It's all to lead his people to repentance, right? We, we've been studying through Habakkuk and God's basically saying, listen, I'm going to send my chosen people, my children into 70 years of slavery so that they will repent. Yeah. Now that doesn't sound like fun or good. He's doing it so that they will come to a place of repentance. It doesn't sound fun or good, but we're to live a life of repentance. So, so, so the fact that they weren't repenting or living that life of repentance shows how far they had fallen away. So, so we should be 
We should be. I'm sure I'm not at times also. But we should be thankful for other people, other believers in particular, that point things out to us, that show us where we need to repent and where we need to change. I mean, sometimes God uses unbelievers to shame us, for sure. But, but really, when it's a believer, at least we know that believer, if they're a true believer and we're a true believer, they're doing it out of love and care and concern for us because they, they, want us, they want us to be in fellowship, for sure, but they really want the glory of Christ to shine through us. And what they're seeing is they're seeing the world through a different set of eyes because we're, we're believers now, and we can see the spiritual as well as the material and the temporal. And we're like, I want to see more glory out of you. I know that Christ has it for you. Let's find a way to make that happen. Here's an area of your life that you need to look at, and I'm willing to help you out of love do that. And by the way, I've got some areas in my life that I need some help with as well. Would you help me? Would you come to me and say, you know what, Steve, there are some things that you need to do that you might glorify God more fully and have greater fruit. And, we're, and if we're doing this out of love and in a good relationship, we can make progress here. I do not know how this, ha- I do know in a way how it happens in a big church. In a big church environment where there's no small groups, no interaction, no, no, no connectedness relationally, I don't see how it can happen. Um, coming to a large church on Sunday to, be, to consume the message and consume the service and then go home to live that out is not the way I think church membership should work, and it's not the way church discipleship and discipline should work either. Um, it's, that's all hampered by that kind of environment, I think. Not that all big churches are bad, um, but there's got to be a way. <laughs> but not, and not that all small churches are good, but there's got to be a way for that interrelational structure, that community atmosphere. You and I were talking about this before at one time, too. Having that interwoven community for an ultimate purpose, not just for a cultural or temporary purpose. I mean those communities that are based on future heaven, living forever and ever and ever. Now you can have something, and I believe that's the way that God has designed our world in a spiritual sense for his people. Yeah, and, and you framed it up so well in the, in the conversation where you're, you're talking about um, as, as one believer is coming to another believer, out of love and respect and admiration, not just for that other person, but for that other person's relationship with Christ, for your own relationship with Christ. And you're coming together not to point the finger and, and berate and belittle, but to say, hey, listen, you, you know better, right? You understand better. You know what, what a good biblical model looks like. I just want to speak that truth into you. And I think that... Um, what I would consider to be the opposite of church discipline is gossip. And so when somebody realizes that somebody's doing something wrong, that's out of line, that shouldn't be, but they don't love them enough to actually go have a conversation, you turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And I think that's why scripture is so blatant about this idea of gossip is because that diminishes the body, not just because it tears people down, but because it doesn't build them up. We're not actually doing the sanctifying work together that we've been called to do. Um, and it's a shame that we're more comfortable with that than we are with having an uncomfortable conversation with somebody. Yeah. So, so one way to avoid that is, is kind of trying to do the opposite, which is actually just being explicit. Developing a good enough relationship with someone that you could actually say, would you help me? <laughs> I need your help. And can, can we help one another? That's, that's the thing. Once that's happened, and now we have that level of communication, um, well, it's not gossip anymore because we're talking about it. And we can bring other people into that, into that relationship and that fellowship 
in a positive way that's structured to help. So, so I, I will just ask this right now. Would you help me, Adam, when you see something going in my life that's, that's not honoring to God? Would you please tell me and let us have a conversation about it? One of the things that we've been able to do with these conversations is draw closer to one another. And I'm just going to ask for your help right now to do that in my life, if you would. Yeah, absolutely, Stephen. I would ask for the, the converse of that as well. And, I'd be uh, happy to and, do that. I'd be honored. And Ashley's not getting out of this because she's listening to this, running this whole show. If we didn't have Ashley, Steve, you and I wouldn't know how to do this. So True. Ashley, you've been on this too. But we, uh, I, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing, right? As as we grow together, as we, um, we, the nice word is accountability, right? We're building accountability with each other, but it's really discipleship, and it's a level of of willingness to discipline each other when needed to have the tough conversation. There's no joy in the tough conversation, but there's joy coming out of the tough conversation when it leads to repentance and it leads to right relationship. Well, we're, we're going to live together forever if we're believers in Christ together. So, so this, this is the bond that can't be broken. So, so yeah, there's, there's pain and trouble. We all experience pain and trouble every single day in this world. Um, I just, we got to get used to it. It's just going to keep happening. But there's joy knowing what's happening in the future and where we're headed. So, so that abiding joy that's within us should overcome that temporary trouble and, and consternation over what's happening in our immediate life. Yes. Yeah. And then um, just to kind of develop, I think, I think we're probably out of time, but just to develop it a, a little more fully to the end using the Matthew uh, 18 reference is just that when we have these conversations, and, and I know this firsthand, not everybody that I come to out of a loving perspective, trying to motivate and encourage and, and in my best way, parent, not everybody hears that message and says, thank you so much for telling me. Thank you so much for caring enough to have a tough conversation. A, a lot of people hear that because we're, we're at a point where our sin, our desire to gain what we want has overtaken our desire to live a life for Christ. And so that's a spiritual battle in us just for somebody to walk in. I mean, like I said, not every conversation ends well. So now you have to decide, what do I do next when I go to somebody and they say, I don't want to hear it, right? Or, or maybe I'll listen politely because I respect you, but I'm not going to change anything about what I'm doing. Yeah, that's a real problem. I mean, that, 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 that's, a, that's a problem. It's a challenge. I, you know, what my mind was going to when you were saying those things um, I, I listened to a guy named Ray Ortland sometimes, and um, and he's got he's got a three word synopsis of what we're to be and what and what is helpful in a, in a church, which we're talking about church environment, and it, it's it's gospel plus safety plus time. So so the gospel is all important here. What has Christ done for us, and and who are we in Christ? How are we to emulate Him? How are we to live and act, and how is he to, how is his power to move through us? And the second thing is safety, that we have to be in a safe environment where we, we know that people, that, that we're all in this body of love in Christ together, that there's, there's, no, there's no kicking someone out just because they've done something wrong, um, that, that any kind of um, removal is because they refuse to, to acknowledge Christ in the gospel, point number one. And then the third thing is time. No one sanctifies themselves. You won't sanctify me and I won't sanctify you. Jesus Christ both saves and sanctifies. So it is, it's through the Spirit. It's, it's, it, this is how we change. We don't change by 
um, following a set of rules or, or an agenda or whatever it might be. We're changed through Christ. So gospel plus safety plus time. If our church could do that um, on a regular basis in a very deep way that it's, it's, it's observable by everyone else, um, our church is going to thrive and it's going to be a godly group of people and others will come to know Jesus through our body. And again, the, the intention of gospel plus safety plus time, because I like that very much, the intention is not angry discipline. The intention is no. how do we be the, the church we've been called to be? Again, um, I, I talk often about but Ephesians 4 when he says that, that our, our hope that we're being equipped and we're being uh, sanctified and we're, we're growing up and maturing so that we can attain to the the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that, I mean, to me, that is a promise worth marching towards, right? Knowing that if we are doing this well, if we're doing discipline and discipleship and gospel plus safety plus time, and that we love each other and that we're trying to be the bride together and we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling and we're desiring to be disciplined as much as I'm desiring to discipline and all those things are working out and I can see through my brothers and sisters in my local church that I can see the full, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is, that, that is, that gives me goosebumps, Steve. I love that's, it. That's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. That's, that's what church is meant to be. And, and that church is not, is an indictment on all of us. And, and, and it's not of Christ. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a division within the church that is not right. Yes. Yeah. So church membership, extremely important so that we can actually um, mutually understand better who is the body. Once we've identified the body, then we move into living together, being a part of each other's lives, holding each other accountable and responsible, discipling, disciplining um, in every loving way possible so that we can be the church that we've been called to be. Yes, sir. Great conversation. Thank you, Steve. Likewise. Thank you, Adam. <laughs>